my name is Kara Carey. I'm a fan of From Paper to People. Thanks so much for coming to listen, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 406 of From Paper to People. My name is Carolyn Nee Lachlan, and I am your hostess with the mostest from Ancestors Alive Genealogy. I have a quick episode for you today. First, I'd like to thank James Michael Riley for joining my Patreon at the roots level. You know I appreciate you, Jim. It's July 4th, Independence Day in the United States. And as such, my thoughts have turned to my family ties to the Revolutionary War. Yes, Aaron Burr is my first cousin seven times removed. His grandfather, Daniel Burr, is my seventh great-grandfather. But that's not the kind of contemplation I mean. I'm thinking about the realities of this country both now and then, and how slavery is a part of the story of my own participating ancestors' lives. I'm a member of the DAR or Daughters of the American Revolution. It's a hereditary society in the United States and abroad, and the only way to gain entry is by proving direct lineal descent from someone who fought for the colonial army in a colonial militia or who provided supplies or services to the colonial cause. In the past, it has been a racially exclusive organization. That is changing. But its reputation, in my experience, as an inappropriately political society, is well-earned. It all depends on where you join and with whom you choose to associate, like any other organization. I have 29 qualifying or possibly qualifying patriots, men, no women yet, who either supplied, supported, or fought with the revolutionary armies to win independence from King George and all of the offenses of the monarchy. And yes, UK friends, I do find the British monarchy offensive. I hope you won't love me any less. I certainly don't love you any less. The variety of types of service that are now considered patriotic are really interesting. These are my patriots' names and what I know about how they rendered patriotic service. William Jesse Burton of Virginia was a soldier who also furnished supplies to the militia. John H. Pace of Virginia furnished supplies to the militia. Adam Stoltz of the Netherlands immigrated to Virginia, and in 1777, he took the oath of allegiance and furnished supplies to the Revolutionary Army. George P. Penn of Virginia served in the militia as a juror and supplied the colonial military. William Hendry Blocker of North Carolina has an incomplete service record per the DAR, so I'm going to need to investigate him further. Isaac Bowers of Massachusetts was a fence viewer in the civil service. That means he was appointed to local government to deal with problems between neighbors involving property boundaries and roaming livestock. William Connett of New Jersey was a soldier in the militia. Richard Chenoweth of Virginia served as a soldier. After the war, he contracted with the Commonwealth of Virginia to build the fort that became Louisville, Kentucky. Private Joseph Collins of Virginia served in the infantry. Private Elijah Bartley of Pennsylvania served in the militia. 
Joseph Rutherford Walker of County Down, Ireland, or perhaps County Antrim, is just a maybe right now. There are a few possible matches per the DAR. Major John Hayes of Virginia requires more proof per the DAR, so he's another challenge for me to take up. Private Abram Hendrickson Scutt of New York served in the militia. I recently found evidence of his service, and no one else has proven it. So he will be completely new to the DAR's records. Nathaniel Hull of Connecticut signed the Association Test in 1775. The Association was a boycott created by the Continental Congress in 1774, so his signature meant that he agreed with the boycott against the Crown and its products. Nathaniel's son, Ezekiel Hull of Connecticut, was a soldier in the New York militia. Jacob DeHaven Sr. of Pennsylvania provided 12 days' service of collecting beef for the Revolutionary Armies. John Corning of Massachusetts also signed the association test. He did that in 1776. Nathaniel Abbott Pettengill Sr. of Massachusetts and his son Phineas Swan Pettengill of Massachusetts both served at the Lexington Alarm. When Paul Revere sounded the call, they answered. Private Peter Jacobsen Clute of New York served as a soldier and rendered service by assisting in building boats used in the Clinton-Sullivan expedition. This expedition was intended to destroy the Six Nations Confederation's ability to fight for the crown. That included taking hostages and destroying food sources. The Six Nations were the Seneca, Cayuga, Onondaga, Oneida, Mohawk, and Tuscarora peoples. Major Abraham Jacobsa Switz Sr. of New York served in the militia. His son, Lieutenant Walter Switz of New York, served as a ranger. He's the first ancestor I used to prove in. Johann Nicholas Garst of Germany rendered a patriotic service by paying a supply tax in 1783 to fund the Pennsylvania militias, and his son, Private Frederick Garst Sr. of Pennsylvania, served in the Pennsylvania militia. John Rauch of Pennsylvania also rendered patriotic service by paying a supply tax to fund the Pennsylvania militias. Oh, if you hear them in the background, the cats are helping me today. Apparently they're feeling the holiday, so pardon any meows that you might hear. Private Philip J. Schaff of Pennsylvania rendered patriotic service, then was killed in battle in 1778. The service of his son, Philip Schaff Jr. of Pennsylvania, is currently in question per the DAR. He would have been very young to serve. Second Lieutenant William Curry Sr. of Pennsylvania served in the militia. Ensign William Ramsey of Pennsylvania needs better proof of service per the DAR, so he's another project yet to come. I also descend from one confirmed loyalist, Johann Jakob Pechtel a.k.a. John Pickell. He served with Rogers Rangers and went to Canada after the war where he was given a land bounty. There's another ancestor whose loyalty is in question, Captain Benjamin J. Wilson Jr. of Massachusetts. He's on the DAR books, but he needs proof of service after 1779 because he moved to Canada after the war, and such a move was usually due to a land grant from the Crown for loyal service to England, as Johann Jakob Pechtel received. Please note, please understand, 
None of this makes me cool, smooth, or groovy in my own eyes. I did nothing to be able to claim this heritage. I've never understood that phrase, proud to be an American. For me, being American isn't an accident of birth, albeit a happy one. I definitely feel fortunate to be an American. There are a lot of dangerous places to live on this planet, dangerous for women or for the disabled. I think the great American experiment is moving in the right direction. But in America, I have the fairly unique right to challenge and dispute the validity of social and political movements and norms. That certainly makes me a lucky woman. So what is my patriotism? Today and every day, it's a process of thought and action. It is the hard work of participating in a civil society. It's not about bumper stickers, t-shirts, or Facebook posts, though I indulge myself with all three. I read, I discuss, I vote. I listen to the experiences of Americans with any different heritage from my own, and I am willing to be wrong and revisit everything, even if my ego doesn't always like the process, and it doesn't. I'm even willing to let myself be bad at that on some days. I teach what I know to be true because teaching truth is disappearing from the formalized education system and is becoming or has become more of a cottage industry. As the saying goes, each one, teach one. I do not fly an American flag because I've never woken up, looked outside and thought, what country do I live in again? I leave all brands of jingoism to others. In terms of the complexities of my ancestors and their actions, I acknowledge that Frederick Garst was known as Indian Garst because he famously killed six Native people where he colonized in Virginia as they offered to help him with a job around his land. It's apocryphal, but it's also on his tombstone. I recognize that Ezekiel Hall, Joseph Collins, Richard Chenoweth, George P. Penn, William Jesse Burton, and their spouses, all enslaved human beings, even as they fought for a white, property-owning man's American freedom. Some of their enslaved labor were dower slaves, so I do not forget those wives for bringing wealth in the form of enslaved labor into their marriages. Some of those enslaving patriots also willed enslaved persons to their children, creating generational wealth in the form of human suffering and the property that such suffering could grow. For those patriots who did not enslave, I understand that they did benefit from an economy built on the enslavement of other human beings. If they wore cotton, ate sugar, or consumed other goods that they bought on the open market, they benefited from slavery. I comprehend that it is possible for one person to be many things, a loving parent, a good spouse, a loyal neighbor, and a racist, who tortures the minds, bodies, and souls of other humans because he or she can under the law. Life is lived in the gray zones of weakness and convenience and personal comfort. This is the source of cognitive dissonance. These men and their wives were that, did that, lived that. We are not free until we are all free, so I've made a life choice to leave the flag-waving brand of Americanism to others. This weekend, I'll appreciate that I don't have to pronounce aluminum as aluminium and that I have a lot of work to do on true liberation. That starts with educating myself, continues with taking action, 
and then the process repeats. I thank my ancestors for their work, and I see their imperfections. It doesn't hurt anyone to be honest about these things unless we are so fragile that the truth will blow us apart. I don't know about you, but I'm stronger than that. Time for me to improve this great American experiment. With that, I wish you all who celebrate a happy 4th of July. Do your research. Don't be a Jeffrey. Teach and learn truth and remember, expect surprises.